<laughs> Fight for Trump. Fight for Trump. <laughs> yeah, that was a huge crowd chanting, Fight for Trump in Georgia. Just a few weeks ago at a rally down there, and now, tonight, the president, Donald J. Trump, he returns to the scene of the crime, the state of Georgia. Yeah, a little bit different location. I think that uh, previous one was somewhere in the south, maybe Warner Robins or something. I can't, I can't recall. But anyway, tonight is uh, in uh, North Georgia, in Dalton, Georgia. Originally scheduled for seven, now it's going to be nine prime time. No, it won't be on major channels, I'm quite sure, but you can get it on YouTube or on Facebook, on Right Side Broadcasting, perhaps on C-SPAN, maybe on Bloomberg. Uh, trust me, you'll be able to find it uh, if you want to hear it tonight, and I'm sure you'll be on uh, fire in the state of Georgia tonight. All right, folks, good to have you guys on board. It's VU 56, the 56th edition of The Voice of One. This for Monday, January 4, year of our Lord. Listen to it, 2021. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Hey, folks, uh, this is uh, January 4. That means, of course, that it's uh, Electors Count Showdown minus two. And Trump Inauguration Day, minus 16. <laughs> it's good to have you here. It's the week of weeks. Good to have you here on the week of weeks in the United States electoral system. It's going to be unlike anything else in the history of the United States of America in electoral history and perhaps rivals uh, some things in history in general. In fact, I was thinking about uh, what really does... Right. I mean, this could potentially be... I mean, right up there with some of the most blockbuster events in the history of America. So, but if you just if you just narrow in on some electoral history, you know, there have been some there have been some times when people objected to to the electoral votes that were presented to Congress. In fact, I presented on my own Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, a video compilation of from two thousand four and two thousand nine. Uh, not included in this are the objections from 2016, uh, where uh, various Congress uh, congressional uh, folks uh, stood up and objected to uh, the the electoral votes from one state or the other. Exactly what's going to happen this Wednesday? That's being called outrageous and as though nothing like it has ever happened, but in fact it has happened. But just I have to admit, not to this magnitude not to this magnitude, of what's going to happen this Wednesday in Washington, D.C. All right, uh, Woody Cumbie, your host. Yeah, I'm bringing you along on VU56. It's your host of The Voice of One, bringing you the certified, uncontested blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU sports. Well, today I'm dedicating most of The Voice of One to the week of weeks uh, but first, a quick look at some of the other headlines. And first, this coming onto my phone as a notification, an alert from Fox 59 here in Indianapolis. And it says this, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson announces new national lockdown through at least mid-February. Now, folks, I keep telling you, it's time to have some supplies on hand. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm trying to say it, trying to layer it out there. 
just have a few supplies on hand. Now, UK, in a new lockdown through at least mid-February. Man. All right, so uh, also in the news is the radical agenda of your Democrats. That's right, folks. Your Democrats here in the United States of America, they are revealing. Now that they feel like that the that the wind is at their back, right? They can just like, they're like coming out, so to speak. And they're unashamed. They're unabashed. They're, they're not holding back in any way. Revealing their true color, true face of their radical agenda. Let's start with this, this crazy, I'm sure you saw this or heard this, but, but uh, just in case, this crazy prayer that was offered uh, in the United States Congress the other day. Uh, this was actually by a member of Congress that was offering the prayer, not the chaplain of, of, the, of the Congress, but uh, this was actually, I think, somebody from Kansas City. I apologize that I can't call the gentleman's name, though maybe I'm doing him a favor. Uh, here's how the prayer ended. Take a listen to this. Peace even in this chamber, now and evermore, we ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. Oh man, unbelievable. First of all, the guy, the guy makes a men sound like a man. So then he can do his little cute couplet of adding a woman. So he ends his prayer with a man and a woman. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it, it, I mean, we're talking about in the Congress of the United States of America. Now, did you hear what he said? He said, in the name of the monotheistic God. So he says there's one God, but this God goes by many names, but he only calls one name. And of all names for him to call, he calls Brahman. Now he's speaking, you can barely hear him because he's speaking through his, his face mask, of course, to be politically correct, though he's far away from all people. Um, he is, uh, he, he calls, so of all, here's this black gentleman, he, of all the things he can do, he, he calls on the name of the God of the caste system. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, it doesn't end there. I mean, I, I, I just you wish you was just like one loon, right? One loon that was let loose uh, for just a few seconds too long to offer a prayer. But uh, I'm not sure you can call it a prayer, actually. But at any rate, you understand what I'm saying. The uh, but no, 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 it doesn't happen there. Did you see that? You, know, you may have seen this as well. That that each time the each time a Congress reconvenes, right? It's 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 it adopts rules for that that coming uh, season of that Congress. So in, in this particular case, it's the 117th Congress that is is coming together here in 2021. So they 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 adopt rules for how they're going to operate. Uh, and here, uh, here's the story in Breitbart. It was carried everywhere. But here's the story uh, in Breitbart uh, by uh, Alana Mastranglio. And this was on uh, the 1st of January. And here the headline says, uh, Nancy Pelosi bans gender terms like mother, daughter, father, son in House rules. 
First paragraph, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat California, and Rules Committee Chairman James McGovern, Democrat Massachusetts, unveiled the rules for the 117th Congress on Friday, which contain, quote, future-focused, end quote, proposals, including the elimination of gendered terms, such as father, mother, son, and daughter. Quote, this package which will be introduced and voted on once the new Congress convenes, includes sweeping ethics reforms, increases accountability for the American people, and makes this House of Representatives the most inclusive in history, end quote, the House Committee on Rules said in a statement. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went on to say she is, quote, pleased to join Chairman Jim McGovern in introducing this visionary rules package which reflects the views and values of the full range of our historically diverse House Democratic majority, end quote. Wow. Wow. Of course, it goes on to, to uh, uh, outline uh, the story. So, uh, but here's the thing. In Clause 8C6, of Rule 23 of their House rules, gender terms such as, I'm quoting from the story now, such as father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, half-brother, half-sister, grandson, and granddaughter will be removed. No, no, I, no, no. You, you, you can't make it up, but I'm, ser- I'm as serious as I can be. I'm ser- this is literally going to be voted on as part of the House rules. When the, uh, when the new Congress convenes. Now, here's the thing. Um, John Adams, the second president of the United States, he prophetically wrote in 1789 these words, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a religious and moral people. It is wholly inadequate to gov- for the government of any other. End quote. The Bible says it this way, 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own consciences as with a branding iron. Now, folks, it isn't that the government is is necessarily sitting here trying to govern an irreligious people. It's that the government itself has lost its anchor, has lost its compass, has lost its moorings. It's the government itself that is increasingly irreligious and immoral. The crisis that we're facing in America is essentially a moral and spiritual one. 
the loss of a commonly held set of biblically-based values. No matter one's political party, no, no matter one's economic philosophy, that this loss of, a, of, of, a, of a, just a common set of values that we all agree on and that they, they, they have a biblical basis. It doesn't mean you have to quote the Bible, right? Not every one of our founders was, was a deeply religious man. But they did adhere to a common set of values, and those values did come out of the Judeo-Christian ethic. And so the loss of those values is at the root of our disunity. It's a division at the most foundational level. And I think it's the division that gives birth to all other divisions. I think it's the, I think it's the mother of all divisions, right? That we're divided at a most fundamental level. Now look, we're divided on whether or not to retain the most basic structures and tenets of the American way of life. Is our Constitution adequate? Are the freedoms that it enshrines worth protecting? Is the economic system of capitalism, private property, entrepreneurialism, is that system worth preserving? Now, there are those at the highest elected and appointed positions in the U.S. government that apparently do not think so. For decades, the undermining of these principles has been underway in academia. And we're beginning to see the fruit, the blossom of that decades-long effort make its way all the way into the Congress of the United States. The abandonment of God and the adoption of replete progressive secularism, Marxist uh, uh, ideals, right to the very uh, top of our government. What's been called the culture war, a decades-old clash, is in many ways what's being played out on the stage of this current presidential election. Today I heard a conservative thinker say that this week is the Waterloo moment. It's the decisive battle, he said. There's never been a week like this one. And as I've said several times along the way on VU, if you've been following it along, I've told you from the beginning, I've told our church long before the election, this is bigger than Trump. This is not about Trump even, or Biden. They are just representatives. They're just placeholders for something bigger. This is a contest at the worldview level. But honestly, this, this contest, it's ages and ages old. This is just the current manifestation of it. This is just the current American manifestation of it. This contest has been playing out throughout time. There's no larger clash of ideas. The stakes couldn't be higher. Ronald Reagan told us in 1964 that there's an ancient enemy and there's a time for choosing. And his 1964 words, though relevant to his moment, are prophetic for our time. Listen to just a couple minutes of that famous Ronald Reagan speech from 1964. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, 
History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's old, old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. Ronald Reagan, 1964, with the prophetic words that there are no Democrats or Republicans, there's only up or down. There's only the freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution or those that would set it aside for totalitarianism. There is only a government by we the people or a government by an elite stationed somewhere in Washington, D.C., and they're, they're propagandists in the editorial boardrooms of the news media. There's only an up or down. That's exactly the choice that's before us today. There are those that would preserve our freedoms, and there are those that would take us into a Marxist, totalitarian, progressive, godless state. And they are so determined to get their way that they have orchestrated what appears to be the greatest steal in the history of United States electoral politics. And make no mistake about it, just as he said that the America is the last hope, the last beacon of freedom, the last, last lifeboat, as it were, of freedom in this world, the whole world is watching what's happening this week. We have people right here in the United States that are tuned out entirely. Folks, Around the world, people are watching, because guess what? If democracy is lost here in America, if free and fair elections can no longer be counted on in America, if America is going to swerve toward totalitarianism, toward being purchased by China, right, and being uh, somehow aligned with those uh, globalist forces that would just consume America and take away its status in the world, its status for good and for freedom, then, folks, then, then, then it's over. The, the, the whole experiment is over, and the whole world is watching what's happening this week. Now is the time, right? He talked about how will we somehow surrender freedom, and people later wonder, why did they do so little? Look, now is the time to be a voice of one. Send a letter. So, uh, make, uh, send, send a tweet, send an email, pick up the phone, be in touch with your representative. Let them know you want them to fight. Fight. 
for in within the constitutional process, fight for our freedoms, fight for electoral integrity, fight for a free and fair election. And uh, as you do that, as they feel the fact that there are 74 million of us out here that are saying, wait a second, we're not just going to cave in to this blatant steal. We're actually going to fight back. Then I believe that there may be some who actually grow the courage uh, to, to, to do the right thing uh, this particular week. And finally, I'd just say, if there's ever a week to pray, if there's ever a week to pray that justice and fairness and righteousness be, be brought to the surface and revealed, now's the, the time uh, to pray. It's not, it's not, you're not trying to pray for a particular election outcome per se or to overturn something or to whatever. That, that's... That that's that's describing it in, a, in like the lowest rung. We're, we're we're praying for something much larger than that. We're we're praying for the basic freedoms of the United States of America and the ideals upon which we're founded. That the Lord would preserve that in order that we might continue to be the exporter of good and of the Christian faith around our world. So God bless you guys. I will be back with you on the fateful day Wednesday. And uh, and we'll, I'm not sure what time because I'll be listening to the uh, to what's happening that day. But I'll break in at some point uh, with a uh, VU 57 on the decisive day Wednesday, and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening on that day. God bless you guys. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you sharing. I hope you'll just share this. Share this with two or three friends. Let somebody know that now is the time. This is the stakes. Time to be in touch with those that, that are your representatives and senators, and it's a time to be in touch with heaven through prayer. And I pray all of these things will happen uh, and that the Lord's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right, God bless you guys, and I'll see you back here on Wednesday.